get up, get, get up, get up. What's up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Stub Podcast, episode number 164, the official podcast of the New York Mets. We're super excited because baseball is on the horizon. Pitchers and catchers at the time of recording are seven days away from reporting spring training. We actually have boots on the ground, you guys know, since we are affiliated with the Mets. We got some ins and outs here. We got some people that we know. And of course, Johnny Bahama, Johnny Stats, Johnny Daps, whatever you want to call them. Boots on the ground, import St. Lucie. He will join us a little bit later to tell us about what's going on as we cover some spring training storylines, as well as everything else going on in Mets world. So if you guys have not yet followed us on all our social media, make sure you do at Mets up on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you're looking for the YouTube video, it's on the New York Mets YouTube channel right now. Go subscribe over there. Go watch the video. Drop it a like. All that good stuff. And if you're listening to us or want to listen to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, and subscribe. James, it has actually been quite a minute, I feel like, since we've spoke on on Zoom here for an actual episode. It's not an interview because Petriello was the last time I believe we spoke on, on StreamYard or whatnot. Yeah, and last week was also Jeff McNeil. So this is the first time we've just been just just the guys on Zoom, which is which is a kind of a weird, fun adjustment. It's also just been a long week for each of us in life. So this is nice yeah. to nice to get back here and just kind of feel normal again. Yeah, just talk a little ball, talk about what's going on. Uh, if you guys have been following the podcast, you've been subscribed to the feed now. You saw yesterday or two days ago, I guess, technically, I'm dating myself here. Uh, Steve Cohen was on the uh, podcast talking to Howie Rose. They had a little interview, which is really cool. Always cool whenever the owner gets involved, especially Steve, o- uh, Steve Cohen. And there was a lot of great stuff that was said during the episode. I mean, he was talking about winning. He was talking about prospects. What, what do you think really stuck out to you, James? I think one of the biggest things that stuck out to me is something that we've talked about a lot <clears throat> on this show is that while the last collective bargaining agreement put a lot of um, a lot of checks and markers and how much owners could spend on their team that's on the field, there is still no limit to how much you can spend on coaches, developmental staff, data analytics people, and technology. And Steve Cohen made it very clear in that interview that he is investing every single thing that he can into building up our farm system, into creating this kind of like... Um, just creating this kind of a monster down there. He even referred to the fact that when he came in, it was hollow, which I thought was yes. a good dig that he said that. But just the fact that the Mets see the advantage that they have, Steve specifically sees the advantage that he has, and that since there's no cap on spending there, you might as well get the best of the best. And I think the Mets have shown over the last year, year plus, two years and change, that that's what they're doing. No, I think it's really refreshing to hear that because you think of a lot of win-now teams, and outside the Dodgers, maybe, uh, you look at their farm system, and usually it's not the strongest because they had to trade away some of those assets to get some of the bigger-name players in. But the Mets are right now in a spot where that farm system is getting better and better and better as the years have gone on, like you just said. And they're a team that's trying to win now, which is very similar to how the Dodgers have been built, who have been one of the most successful teams in baseball. The Rays, one of the most successful teams in baseball. Look at the Astros, even, who, someone that we applaud all the time on this podcast, their farm system's pretty barren right now. There's not a whole lot of crazy big prospects at the moment they have a lot of young talent at the major league level but farm system wise it's not as deep necessarily true but i also think a lot of those teams they don't really have the pop prospects but they have a lot more strength in their system that like we don't know about like they're not making it to the pipeline maybe they're making it to baseball america but like i don't think anyone was talking about jose urquidy and not that jose urquidy is like a great pitcher at all but the astros just created him and now he just gives them free innings every single year like Christian Javier oh, was a guy who was like, he was fine, but as a prospect, no, he wasn't really that well regarded. He had warts, whatever. Hunter Brown's a guy who came from junior college who barely even ranked the top hundreds of prospect list. He's going to be an ace in a month and a half. So <laughs> I think, I think it's a lot, I think a lot of it is just about like what you're able to process internally and not really rely 
on these external lists, rankings for to evaluate yeah. teams' farm system to see how your team is valuing these players themselves. Like when you see a team, like you said, like the Astros go into a season after they win the World Series or go into a season at two years ago when you're like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to let a shortstop walk. We don't have a shortstop. And Jeremy Payne just walks up and he's incredible. He went to World Series MVP. Or you just win a World Series and a guy like Justin Verlander comes to the Mets and you're like, all right, we, we, we got guys. It's fine. Dodgers too. Dodgers, they're just going to play Miguel Vargas every single day. He's probably going to be great. Yeah. Like They just have these people ready to go. And I think that is something the Mets are striving for. And I think that is something we can be confident we'll reach at some point. Yeah, I, th- I think what was really cool is just the, the word invest being thrown around. Uh, Steve Cohen, obviously, you know, a little bit of a Wall Street guy over there. A little bit. And uh, <laughs> go a little Steve, bit. Calling Steve Cohen a little bit of a Wall Street guy <laughs> is like calling Hank Aaron a little bit of a baseball guy. A <laughs> L- little bit of a home run hitter, you know. He played, yeah, he played baseball a little bit. He threw the ball around. Tom Brady yeah, is a good I mean, football player. Him bringing that mindset to baseball is really cool. Something that we haven't seen too much of, it feels like. And I think it's something that's we're going to start to see a lot more of because you know, why not? Why not be work, work smarter, not harder? I think that's what it really comes down to. Something that made me laugh in that interview, too, was that Steve Cohen is all in on celebrating Bobby Bonilla Day, which is hilarious to me. He's like, I want to bring him out every day or every year. We're going to give him a massive check. And he's going to have to somehow transport that home in order for it to cash or whatever. I thought that was hilarious. I'm in. I'm in for embracing the troll. We should have been doing that forever just because, like, this is a day that all these other teams pay deferred money anyway. And for some reason, Bobby Bonilla, a guy who doesn't even, like, make that much money on deferred payment day, he's the one. Like, let's bring Saberhagen back, too, for his quarter of a million dollars. Like, every team, this should be something that all teams do. Like, I want Max Scherzer in, in Nationals Park when he's 68 years old, like, collecting a check and walking on the field. Like, this is funny. Like, these teams sign these contracts and these exist for a very long time. Ken Griffey Jr. should be out in Cincinnati next year collecting, like, one of the biggest checks on the entire team. Like, this should be happening across the league. Might be the best center fielder on that team still to this day. Not not a great depth out there in the outfield. But, yeah, a lot of great things in, that, in the conversation between Howie and Steve. If you guys have not yet listened to it, make sure you go check it out. It's on our podcast feed. It's episode 163, and it's also on the New York Mets YouTube channel. Go give that a listen or a watch if you have not yet done so. We also talked to Mike Petriello before uh, that episode came out. So if you guys have not seen that, give it a listen. Probably... I, I feel like I say this after every interview, but one of my favorite interviews you've ever given. It was it was so much fun just talking straight up ball like that. Yeah, and Mike is just one of the most knowledgeable baseball people that exist right now. Like you guys have seen him for years. He started out Fangraphs, ESPN, MLB. Like he's been all over the place, and he has had such a hand in the building up proliferation of baseball savant Statcast, as referred to sometimes. And listening to him talk about a lot of the internal processes and just like how they kind of come about is is really cool. And he's like, I don't know. You and I are both like relatively like young in our baseball journey and like Mike's a guy who's been doing this for a very long time. So it's cool just to see just to, like see him like talk like very like I don't know, he's like stoically about like what he's done. It's also nice to get a perspective on the team that we root for and podcast for that is not someone that is a Mets fan necessarily. We get a little bit more of a unbiased opinion maybe on stuff. I th- think I'm probably more biased than you if we really had to go anywhere, but the end of the day we are still Mets fans and we definitely see things with rose colored glasses sometimes but I mean he had a lot of really good things about to or to say about the team and if you guys have not yet given it a listen definitely uh go give it a listen definitely also killed me when he mentioned just the fact of like how the Mets are viewed by their own fans like the fact that here's someone who's like not associated with the Mets but he lived in New York for a long time and he puts out a lot of Mets related content I think for that reason just so an, out, an outside perspective on like how Mets Twitter seems. It's like, oh, that's, that's a scary place. I can't believe you guys like live inside <laughs> there. 
another thing that was I mean, really we love, funny. Yeah. We love you guys, but you're a little scary sometimes. Yeah. Another great thing that Mike said, which is my little, little segue transition right here, is that he thought one of the most underrated players go, go on the Mets going into next season was my guy, Tommy Pham. Your boy, Tommy Pham. <laughs> Cracked me up when we were interviewing him. And this is actually hilariously the first time we've talked to you guys since the Mets made that signing, which is like, what, three weeks ago now, just because we've done interviews, pre-recorded stuff, and just keep, keep it moving along. So we got to talk about Tommy Pham. Yeah, no, Tommy Pham uh, going to be the fourth outfielder, hopefully, for the Mets this season. I mean, I, I shouldn't be talking about him. This is your guy at the end of the day. I should let you take the floor because, uh, Tommy Pham, this is the, you've been beating the drum for the, the old Mets Up listeners. This has been the guy since episode one. James has had circled and said, I right, want Tommy right, Pham on this all team. All right, come on. All right, you're, this you're is, this is. I mean, in a way, but you're exaggerating a little bit right now. But it's just, he, he just fit like Go back so and listen. Yeah, everyone go back and listen to every single episode of this podcast ever. But he just fills a lot of needs that this team kind of had at the same time, where it's like, okay, we need another guy who can play the outfield, check. We need a guy who has a little bit of power, check. We need a guy who gets on base, check. Like, just, you can't really do much better than that for only a few million dollars. And it's pretty cool that Tommy Pham was able to do that and be a nice little tight little package. And there were a lot of Mets fans who were kind of like freaking out about this as if they want like the team's fourth outfielder to be like Juan Soto or like Mike Trout or like some, <laughs> some talented players. But I think in terms of like fourth outfielders across Major League Baseball, a guy who's only probably going to get like 400, 500 play appearances this season, maybe some pro- probably somewhere in between. Yeah, you know, but I think this is just a good, it's just a good spot to be. It really is. What, what do you think makes Tommy Pham someone you like more than the other free agents that were available to maybe be a fourth outfielder? I know Adam Duvall's on the Red Sox, but like the names yeah. that were going around were like Duvall, Profar, Tommy Pham, like those guys. I mean, I would have been fine with Duvall because Duvall gives you a lot more defensively than Tommy Pham. Pham, as he's gotten older, I think he's 34, 35 now. It's a little bit, it's just the defense is something is starting to go. And like, I don't know, that's just going to happen to guys aging. That's why he's a fourth outfielder now rather than, rather than a guy who's going to be slated to get 600 play appearances for the team. But what he brings more so than a guy like we talked about Profar a couple times, what other outfielders we talked about who were even in the running for this? I feel like it was mostly Profar Duval. Yeah, Profar Duval Maybe yeah. McCutcheon a little bit when he was yeah, still I available, guess. I think. But it's just, he, it's just, he had more power, more power. He gets on base more, a lot more than Duval, which is, but I think that was probably the biggest difference there for me. You're kind of trading some defense for some on-base ability. And he just, he just, he's a righty too, which I think this Mets lineup could use another righty bat like that, especially someone's going to come off the bench once in a while. And just a little bit, a little bit of power. We need that power. I've, right now from the Bat X projection system, which is Derek Hardy's projection system, something that has proven to be incredibly accurate year over year. Tommy Pham has the fourth highest expected uh, ISO on the entire team, like projection-wise. Okay. Of guys who are going to play, who are projected to play at least 100 games, which in one hand is scary. But on the other hand, it's kind of cool. You were able to just pull a guy in for a couple million dollars who has that kind of power potential. No, 100%. I mean, there's there's definitely value in having Tommy Pham on this team. Like you said, as a fourth outfielder, I think that's really, it's a very nice spot to have a guy like him because at times he does show those flashes where you're like, oh, there's there's the younger Tommy Pham that we remember, the all-star caliber outfielder, which I, no, no disparaging any of the guys that we had in the past before, you know, as our fourth outfielders or whatnot, but they weren't like former all-stars. Like, I feel like the last time there was a former all-star that was the fourth outfielder was like Jose Bautista, and we know that year was a complete mess anyway, so. And he's only 34 years old, so there is still a path for Tommy Pham to like recoup at least some value and maybe have one good year with the Mets, have his 400 play appearances, hit well, and like get himself a two-year deal next year to keep running out this back end of his career. And also, there is this like it's not it's not without warts. I mentioned the defense being an issue. Tommy Pham's strikeout rates also went up way up last year. 
but that also could have been like a frustration issue. I also looked into his stats a little bit. It seems like he had a bit more pronounced of a passivity issue than he's ever had in the past. And when I say passivity, okay. I mean he just wasn't. Tom Pham's never been a guy who swung very much, and one of the that's one been one of the calling cards of his game. Never chasing. Even last year, his chase rate was an 88th percentile. But last year, he kind of stopped punishing the pitches he should have been punishing as much. He's always been a dead red fastball hitter. Struggles with off speed, struggles with breaking balls. And last year, he also saw the lowest percentage of fastballs he's ever seen in his career, which makes a lot of sense from the opposing team's perspective. So it's going to be interesting to see how he shifts back. But also, that could kind of be a function of the baseball as well. If you notice that the contact you're making isn't as good, even though his barrel rate was still better than league average, his exit velocity was still in the top 10% of the entire league, there, there could be. It's gonna be interesting to see how he adjusts to breaking balls, off speed stuff. So it's gonna be cool to see our hitting coaches work with him. It's gonna be cool to see how he adjusts to being in more of a complementary role. It's good. I think it's just, it's just a good. It was a good player to sign. The skill set fits with this roster needed very well. Good depth piece. Good depth piece. We talk about it. Let's fill out that whole twenty-six man roster, and this definitely helps. And that also kind of brings us into our spring training storylines before we uh, bring in Johnny Daps, Johnny Bahama, to tell us about what's going on in Port St. Lucie. There definitely, I feel like, are a few storylines going into spring training that are super important to talk about and something to keep an eye out for. Because, I mean, let's be honest, the Mets are a pretty interesting team, and some of these decisions, some of these storylines, could make a big impact. One of them being just the prospect situation, or prospects with quotation marks now because we know vientos Beatty, alvarez they're all major league caliber players we saw them at the major league level last year what they're going to look like in spring training what their position on the team could be opening day that's I feel like that's probably the biggest one right definitely and also just kind of the way they interact with the guys like just seeing how these dudes walk into a spring training and like the first time in their lives we're like we're actually kind of members of this team it's unlikely they break camp with the team based on like reports we've been seeing last few weeks and also just based on the Mets roster construction. But this is the first time these guys are walking in the major league camp like we belong here. Every single one of those guys at least got to the club last year. They've all gotten their feet wet. They've all taken a dip in the pool. They've all had literally a cup of coffee. And now it's time to see what you got. And that picture went viral of um, that video of, uh, of Bailey and Alvarez the other day. Johnny went half viral, dapping up Mark Vientos, his boy. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But... It's kind of cool that a team like this Mets team with so many talented veterans, like so many pieces in place to make a deep run right now, actually has three high potential prospects that can supplement the rest of the roster. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Should I bring in John now since he's he's already there and we we know what's going on? I guess we might as well. Why not? We're going to preview. You can preview storylines forever. This is real data. There he is, John. How we were talking about like the guys feeling like they're big leaguers finally making it there. Is there anything that you've noticed from Beatty Alvarez Viento so far? 
Yeah, what's up, guys? Good to see you. Um, hope the weather. I heard is a I heard is a warm day up in in New York, which is nice to hear. Uh, nice seventy six degrees here today on Wednesday. So, um, yeah, no, Johnny weather. You know, going back to what you guys were saying, the fact that these guys are here right now and working hard. You know, we we get started pretty early in the morning with what we're doing, uh, why we're here, and you know, these guys are doing the same exact thing, and it's incredibly impressive. The first morning, uh, you know, Monday of this week, nine a.m. I look to my left and Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos and Francisco Alvarez are walking through the door to the batting cages. Um, you know, Beatty and and Vientos especially have been tied at the hip. There's been a couple trios tied at the hip, which I've noticed. That's one of them. Uh, today, they were on one of the backfields hitting with uh, with Alex Ramirez, who is a very, very impressive young man. Uh, 6'3", 6'4", has definitely filled out a little bit and he's still incredibly young. Projected to be a center fielder, Mets fans have a lot to be excited with him. But Beatty and Vientos hitting frozen ropes all over, then going to take ground balls together at third base, encouraging each other, laughing, having a good time. I, you could see a rivalry brewing between two guys, especially that close to the major league level, competing for probably the same at-bats, perhaps. It's not a rivalry whatsoever. They're rooting for each other. They're mixing it up. It's cool. If you watch, you could just it, – it, it's legit. It's authentic. Another duo I've seen – that have been tied at the hip are Omar Narvaez and Francisco Alvarez. It's a good um, one. You, I, I have not seen one without the other. Omar, obviously, going to be on the major league roster, was signed to probably play at least 70 games, if not have a timeshare with, with Tomas Nito behind the plate. Um, he's been incredibly active, catching bullpen sessions for minor league guys. He's been all over, just imparting his wisdom. And being in the batting cages for Francisco Alvarez, BP, it's something different, man. The way the bat, the ball sounds different coming off this guy's bat. It's it's crazy. Oh, we were when we were at Brooklyn, we got to see him like literally up close and personal. I mean, at City Field, we're on the field too, but Brooklyn, they kind of just let us go as close as we really wanted. It's a booming noise. It's like you, you talk about like the crack of the bat. It reminded me of like I he took BP similar to guys that I put in the conversation of like. John Carlos Stanton, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, like guys that I've seen in person live take BP, where I go, oh, there's something different here. Like Fernando Tatis was a part of that group. And the way Francisco Alvarez hits, he's part of that group for me too of, man, he's just, he's a little bit different than everybody else. Also, the first time I remember we had Matt Eddy from Baseball America on this show, I think it was about the summer, late summer-ish of, or maybe it could have been even fall, wintertime of 2021. He said even at the Futures game that season, that the two most impressive batting practices by far Every all the major prospects in baseball there were Francisco Alvarez and Brett Beatty. Said they were one and one A, and no one else came close. Which is sick. That's sick, especially as a Mets fan to hear that these young guys are as good as they're being hyped up to be. Because sometimes you know these these prospect guys can overhype some dudes every once in a while. Mets have had a couple guys like that in the past before. But to say, I, I love to hear that Alvarez is hanging around Narvaez though too because. The one thing that's being talked about with Alvarez is he needs to work defensively on his catching game, and apparently he has been working all winter long to get better defensively, and he feels like he's in a comfortable spot. But Narvaez is a guy who just recently, like in what, the last couple of years, has really improved defensively as well. So whatever secrets and tricks he learned, I definitely want him to give them to Francisco Alvarez as well. I have another question for you, John. We've talked about What's the that? best prospects in this team, Vientos, Beatty, Alvarez, Ramirez. Is there another prospect, maybe an under-the-radar guy who maybe the Mets fans haven't heard so much about who's impressed you so far through a couple of days of camp? There are a few relief pitchers that I've taken notice of. Um, so one, many Mets fans might have heard of him, but he fell off the radar a bit last year due to injury, and that's lefty Josh Walker, 
who um, I saw him throwing today, and it's impressive. And he was a guy, he's not that young. Uh, he went to New Haven, then he went to Tampa, so he played college ball. I think he's 28 now. If injuries hadn't sidetracked him last year, I do believe that there was a chance he would have made an impact on the major league roster. I mean, think about it. Like Nate Fisher came up and and played a big role in a game, and he was in banking prior to that. Josh Walker has better stuff than Nate Fisher. No offense to Nate Fisher, but Josh yeah. Walker has good stuff. So he's a guy who, again, I saw him throwing yesterday, looked great. He's putting the ball exactly where he wanted to. A guy that I think has a chance of making uh, an impact on the major leagues. And there's there's a couple other relievers that I've watching. So there's six mounds across. There's an area it's called the six pack, and it's six mounds. And you know these are this is pretty standard for most major league complexes. And it's just you know six guys throwing at once, and you can really get a good sense of. And these you know right now it's a lot of young guys, 2022 draft picks, guys that pitched at St. Louis, guys that pitched at Brooklyn last year. And you know you're just kind of scouting out and seeing oh who's got the stuff. And I mean there's stuff all over this all over the place, but two tall imposing figures. That's Junior Santos and Sammy Tavares, both six foot seven. And then you add Bryce Montestayoka, who we saw in Queens yeah. last year. And the Mets have themselves three tight ends all over the place. Just when it comes to relief arms, relief arms down on the farm. Um, Tavares had, I think, uh, I was looking at the numbers before. I think fifty-four strikeouts and forty innings of work, forty-plus innings of work last year. Really impressive stuff. Again, putting the ball exactly where he wanted. He was actually requesting that Glenn Sherlock stand in and kind of like mm-hmm. replicate a batter in the box just so he can work on locating his pitches to guys from different sides of the plate. And he was doing so incredibly, incredibly impressive. Uh, Kevin Parada has been here. Nice. Uh, I've seen him working with, with uh, pitchers, which has been really good to see just the way that he takes command, um, you know, encouraging the guys he's working with, but you know, another catcher uh, definitely backstop material. Obviously the Mets invested a very high draft pick in him. Uh, but yeah, those those are three or four guys that I've really noticed so far. Uh, a couple other major leaguers are here right now. David Peterson's here. He's been throwing a little bit. Saw him throwing with Steven Nagosik earlier today. Um, Kodai Senga has has arrived nice. in Port St. Lucie. His tweet went out that he was leaving Japan. It was about you know 36 hours ago now, and uh, <laughs> he was there today, and he, and he got right to it, stretching, playing some nice. long toss, but he, ju- he dove right in. That was awesome to see. How's it been him camaraderie wise with the team like even with the language barrier just being a very new guy like has he been you know has there been any any interaction you've noticed today was a big introduction day for him like he had i think just gotten into florida in the last six seven hours um so he was definitely tired he took it easy he didn't you know he didn't really throttle it up too much use some weighted balls like i said did some long tossing but you know this is an incredible time of year where the t-shirts and the shorts and we're on turf backfields and we're just playing catch and you hear the pop of the glove and the crack of the bat and the cleats, the spikes clackling on the concrete. It is it is a special time and baseball is back. The Super Bowl is going to be over, you know, before we know it. We'll get to that in a little bit. I definitely need yeah, those yeah. picks. And, um, you know, and then come Monday, you turn the page and it's baseball season. You know, that's all we'll be talking about on the radio. And that's it until March Madness comes. And then it's baseball season. So. Incredible, incredible scenes, as Darren would say. I'll say I'm getting excited listening to you talk about just like the idea of just like shorts in the T-shirt right now is yeah. something that brings a smile to my face because nice. that means baseball's oh, nice. back. I can't, w- I can't wait till we get down in Florida at some point uh, to get to Met Spring training, which would be really cool because through my experiences before, like you just gave a little bit of insight of the relationships that guys have or just how they're interacting, things that they're working on. 
that's I, that's some of the stuff that I've noticed too when I've been at spring training and found a guy like Tyler Maley who had a little bit of trouble earlier in his career, started to figure it out. When I went to Red Spring Training in 2020, he was like working nonstop on like very, very specific things and his career has gotten better since. Like it's cool to see the guys put in the work and then it actually plays out on the field. And I'm super interested too because the Mets have like Verlander and Scherzer who I would love every pitcher to watch and just follow around as if they're like shadows of them. There's one more guy that I've noticed who has been around a veteran non-roster invite and it's Tommy Hunter. And I didn't want to forget to mention this because Tommy Hunter is here and the young pitchers are flocking to Tommy Hunter to try to take up as much of his wisdom as possible. Tommy Hunter is hilarious. I mean, you guys know you guys interviewed him last year. Hilarious dude, electric personality, him being on those backfields, just chopping it up with the young players. It's incredible to watch. I mean, I wish we could just mic him up and hear him all day and just hear the interactions, the conversations, the wisdom he's imparting on these young players, these young pitchers. Hilarious. And, it, you know, look, it's it's February 8th. He's been here for a few days. He's already working. And if it's not him getting better, it's helping others get better. And for a guy, at you know, the path or his path on a journey of, of a baseball life, just awesome to see. And that's what it's all about is guys like that. Just, I mean, it's literally not to be cliche. It's for the love of the game. That's why there he's there. Is. That's it. I'd love to hear that. I'd love to hear about all these guys interacting with each other down there. It's kind of the most beautiful thing about spring training. It's like, it's like the first day any of these guys have ever had practice with like a new team in their entire lives. Like you don't know half the guys. Some of them you do know. Some are from out of town. One guy's from Japan. And it's like, just everyone's just hanging out. No, it's a, it's a cool feeling. Like it, it makes me miss baseball. It makes me being like being a part of a team. There's something to just like warming up with the guys. Like you what, said, what do you mean? We are getting ready for the season. Well, yeah. Okay. True, true, true. <laughs> it's a different team. It's a different team than uh, spring, tra- it's spring training for us also. Yeah. Spring training. We're, we're breaking off the rust, even though we've been doing this all year, but still at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's exciting that baseball is coming around. Some other stories to talk about, we talked about starting pitching. We talked about the young guys, Kodai Senga. How about just the bullpen in general? I know that James is going to be happy to talk about this one, but the Mets have low key put together what, like 10, 15 pitchers deep in the bullpen of like really good arms. Yeah, the Mets have just this hilarious clique of dudes who are like have some like shockingly high potential while also just being scrap heap additions. They pulled in another one this week. I'll talk about uh my Sam Coonrod really briefly. Said he came from the Phillies, so a lot of Mets fans probably have have poor memories of him pitching badly against us because he really didn't have that great of results with the Phillies. But he all spent some time with the Giants a few years ago, and I think that there is a little bit, a little bit of secret potential in this arm, just as I would say about any of these random pitchers who the Mets pull in. But Kunrad's a guy who, before he had some arm trouble last year, was sitting 98 to 100. Again, he fell back a little bit last year, had some injury problems. He doesn't have like the best fastball shape in the world, but it's also not bad. It's definitely something, especially with that velocity, that's like more than okay. It shouldn't even be close to a problem. And he also throws plenty of sinkers. So like 65% of his pitches the last couple of years have been forcing fastballs and sinkers, which I guess if you're throwing 98, that's fine, but he wasn't getting great results. So I'm wondering if that's a place where the Mets look to make a make a little adjustment with him. And he also struggled with command a lot of that sinker. Fastball as well. He's just never been a guy who commanded anything really well. But the fastball, he was much more effective with than the sinker. And then he's had like some very weird tra- like track records with his breaking balls. They're just off-speed pitches in general. He's had a slider. But it seems like he's been slowly turning that slider into a cutter for the last few years. Or maybe it just has always been a cutter. But it's just classified on these websites as a slider where it keeps getting harder and harder, like more velocity. And it keeps getting less and less movement. So it seems like he's making a very concerted effort to turn this pitch into a cutter. And past that, since he doesn't really have a slider anymore or a breaking ball, last year, literally in his last like six appearances of the entire season, he debuted this curveball he hadn't thrown in years. And the curveball was great. 
It had much more drop than league average. It had good horizontal movement across the zone. And it got it didn't get that many whiffs because it didn't seem like you really had a grasp on it. But in terms of the pitch physics, it was really, really good. And I'm wondering if the Mets kind of saw how that curveball worked, saw how hard he threw. And he also has a changeup that's been his out pitch for years. Traditionally, it's got a lot of ground balls and also been his highest uh, whiff pitch. I think last year was like 35%. He didn't have another pitch over 20. So there is a lot to work with here in terms of like a ball of clay, a dart throw for a random reliever. And it goes with a lot of the guys the Mets have pulled in this offseason in general. It starts out with a fastball that's 97, 98 miles an hour and what seems like one very above average breaking ball, which is literally, as we've gone over, all you need to be a dominant reliever. Edwin Diaz doesn't even consider throwing a third pitch and no one can touch him. <laughs> like if you have two really good ones, yeah, no. you're elite. Even if you have one really good one, you're pretty good. And it looks like there's a chance for Coonrod to become one of those guys. Well, I saw you tweeted out the the FanGraphs yeah, fan the roster resource chart, yeah, of the Mets AAA bullpen mm-hmm. situation, which is something in previous years like we've been scrambling to find guys. It seems like the Mets have a plethora of them right now, which is like so weird that we're talking about this as like really cool and nice. But I think it is important in stuff that you see again. The best teams in baseball do you have a deep, deep roster. That's hilarious that you can tweet out a picture of like the triple A AAA bullpen and get like 80,000 impressions, but that's just how, how tight, yeah. how much mess fans <laughs> want to want to make something happen right now. But this bullpen, Zach green, we're talking about him rule five. I don't think he can actually be in the triple A bullpen because rule five status means no. he has to be in the major league roster, but I guess he's just there based on how it came out with. And my boy, Jeff Brigham, who might just be one of the best relievers in baseball. Once we get around to it, Coonrod, Montes de Oca, who John mentioned before, Steven writings, Tommy Hunter, of course, Jimmy Akabonis, who's just to throw some of the most gifable pitches in baseball. William Woods, Eric Orza. We got, there's just guys down there. If two of those guys pop, we could be looking at a monster of ball, of a bullpen back there. And there's a good chance we gave ourselves a lot of opportunity to get some pop. And there's also TJ McFarland, who is here right now, yes. another non roster invite who the Mets signed a few weeks ago. You look at his 2020, and granted, a small sample, he was a very, very effective relief pitcher. Another guy that can make an impact on this team from the left side, which the Mets, you hear, are looking to possibly add another lefty. There's been articles written about that, and that might that might be the guy right there. It might be TJ McFarland along with Brooks Raley in the bullpen. So, yeah, there's there's really a glutton Dudes. of arms that are going to compete, and it's it's going to be, and that's going to be the most interesting for me part of this spring training because the Mets at most positions are set starter wise. Yeah, and there's going to be guys that are going to the World Baseball Classic. You know, it could be up to twelve, perhaps. We'll see what the rosters look like when they're released on Thursday. Um, and that's going to give opportunities to a, to a lot tonight when, when people are listening, but there are going to be opportunities and there are going to be in these spring training game opportunities. And that's, what's exciting for me is just to, to see those things because look, you get to the fifth inning of a spring training game and it's like, I could fall asleep. I could, you know, I could put on something else, whatever, but innings five through nine in these games, they're going to mean something for these roster spots. These very, very valuable roster spots. So a lot left to be a lot left to be decided and a lot of talent down here at St. Lucie. No, and 100%. Even, I'm super excited. I was just going to say, even if they don't mean something for the roster spots, right, when camp breaks, like we just know how fluid these bullpens are for like every single team in baseball, especially the good ones as the year goes on. Like John Curtis has an option. New 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 pitcher Eliezer Hernandez has an option. Yeah, I forgot. Even John Curtis, we didn't even mention him. He's a guy who the Mets signed last year, the re- rehab, the whole year. Two years ago, he was lights out for the Tampa Bay Rays. And he had an okay year for the Marlins after, not as good, took a step back. But he has a great year in his pedigree. Peterson and McGill still have tons of options. We're going to have Jose Budo in the mix. He still has options. All these pitches we're mentioning. Jeff Brigham has options. Sam Coonrod has options. Montes Oka has options. Steven Ridings has options. We, Eric Orza has options. No, yeah, he has options. And William Woods Joey has Lucchese. options. Joey uh, Lucchese. Yeah, I said, I said Lucchese. So we're going to have Lucchese. a... Joey Lucchese. Didn't hear you. 
All right. <laughs> I said it twice. So it's so nice to name them twice. But there's going to be a lot of movement for these guys next year. The Mets have built themselves a super flexible bullpen with a lot of high, sneaky high potential arms. It's pretty cool from our perspective to be like, oh, my God, the process is working. That's the best part. How nice is it? Uh, how nice is it? We're just talking about baseball right now. We that haven't cool. been able to go thirty minutes deep about meaningful baseball. Like we had the we had the free agent signings, we had the rumors, we had all that stuff going on. But now we're talking about what's going to be happening on the field in just what a couple weeks really is when games really start. I think the end of February, the last week, will, there will be games being played of baseball. They don't matter, but they do matter. Spring training, spring training still is important. I'm super excited. World Baseball Classic coming up. I think we'll talk about that more in the next episode just because it feels stupid to divulge into it when without rosters. we don't really even know what the rosters are. It's just bad timing on our part. But next episode, I promise we'll talk more about the World Baseball Classic. Perfect way to put a bow on this one and wrap it up. Let's just finish it with the Super Bowl. We got the Super Bowl this weekend, the big game. Uh, Mets got the the ad coming in the Super Bowl, which is really, really cool. I don't, I've never heard of another team doing an ad in the Super Bowl before. Have you guys? No. I am can't wait to see John's desk on television. Ooh, is it going to make it, John? <laughs> I, I don't think my desk made it, but maybe a bobblehead that sits on my desk made it. Y- you never know. Maybe a stray sriracha bottle. I don't think, but that would be that would be great. But that'd be cross promotion too. I guess I mean that'd be yeah. sriracha no would free, have to buy into no the free, ad. No free ads. No free ads. But yeah, that's that's gonna be cool to see for sure. And then obviously the game itself. Let's just go ahead and do predictions. Let's do winner, score, and let's go with MVP game game MVP. Or that's you want to do like first touchdown? I also want to know. I want to go around and do everyone's favorite Super Bowl snack. Because that's Ooh, important. Okay. okay. And yeah. right now, I'm trying to I'm trying to put together a bomb oh, menu it. for this game. Oh, I got it. And yes. we're we're kind of we're kind of in the argument not argument stages, but you know you you don't want to overdo it per se. You so you can't order everything on the menu. Like maybe like five or six. So we're having a hard time. No one say nachos. Nachos are definitely going to happen. So yeah. that's a that's given. Easy. So I don't want to hear that. I've got mine. Let but, me just say mine right now. Okay. Wait. So don't say that. Say favorite say, Super Bowl say, snack. All right. Go. All right, favorite Mount Super Bowl snack. Want to do Mount Rushmore's? <laughs> yeah, we'll bring no, it we, back. This, favorite we don't Super have, Bowl we don't snack. Have a fourth person. <laughs> we don't have a fourth person. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Just, just yeah, say our favorite snack. Everyone, 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 everyone tweeted Vito. There's four to, presidents that, on the mountain. Tummy, make his tummy feel okay. He's sick tonight. Yes. Uh, shout out to Vito. Feel oh, better, Vito. Do, you, do we know what he ate, by the way, so we can avoid it? Do we know what kind of food it was? Uh, let's, let's just... Uh, yeah, I think we should okay. let sleeping dogs lie. Anything. Okay. Yeah, it could have been anything. The favorite Super Bowl snack of mine is pigs in a blanket. Pigs knew, in a blanket are <laughs> interesting. Sick. I love hot dogs. Ah. I love hot dogs and pigs in a blanket. Okay. Oh, phenomenal. Can you order those from a, a restaurant like a, to cater into a party in bulk, though? Can you, you? Make, I feel you like can't you make can. them yourself? Get the crescent rolls? It's, it's, you got it's an like, oven in there? Like eight bucks. No, no, no. There's a, um, I got a dishwasher. I got a sink. But no, and we're going to have like probably 15-ish people, so... You would need a lot of pigs and blankets, and I'm not entirely sure that yeah. 
wherever we decide to order from. I don't know where you could find those. That's that's why I asked. Like, might be you know, you'd have to just Yeah, that's something you have to do yourself. Give me a, give me a practical one from a restaurant. Okay, yeah, go, go, go James first. Go one James that you're I mean, it's like the only thing is like is wings, right? Like what else besides wings are like makes sense for a Super Bowl, especially from a restaurant. Like if I was going to say no restaurant, okay. I think I think my two favorites for a Super Bowl party are something I do a lot for Super Bowl parties myself. I did it for us Mark and I had a Super Bowl party last year. I make my famous pulled pork. It's a banger. A little bit of root beer, yeah, good. a little mm. bit of poop beer, a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of barbecue sauce. It's quite good. And slow then, cook? Yeah. Slow oh, yeah. Oh, it went for like 16 hours last year, my slow cooker, before I went. I put it in. With, Ooh, it was I, low and good. slow. Low and slow. When I came home on Saturday night, the night before the Super Bowl, oh, like I, no, nothing crazy, but like I, I, I cut my fat, I seasoned, I seasoned the butt, and I stuck it in there with the root beer overnight. And then in the morning, I woke up nice and early took the bone out, did some shredding and let it sit there the rest of the day, drained a little bit of the root beer out and let it sit there the rest of the day until I, we were up to the Upper East Side. So shout out Ernie, biggest Jonathan VR fan ever's apartment. And that was great. But then otherwise, like the other, the goat is just Buffalo chicken dip as well. So that like, there's nothing better Super Bowl party than just mm. hanging out by the cauldron, just dipping and walking, dipping and walking. Nothing better. I liked, I liked, uh, I like a sandwich too. I like when you get like a big sub and it's cut up and you just get a, get that's a little also piece. great. Like that's a, a great call. Sandwich. That's a good call from a restaurant too, and that could be and that, that could be the and that could be applicable to what we're looking to do here. Mm-hmm. That's a that's that's a good share, great um, share. All right, so my, one of mine, one of mine. I like little nibbles. I'm a big nibble guy, of course. I like frickles, and what? for those who are like, what's a what frickle? is a frickle? <laughs> oh, guys, come on, James, you kept went you, to a Big Ten school, man. We've kept John in the on okay. the episode too long, talking about frickles. <laughs> okay. Okay, a frickle, very simply, is a fried pickle. Oh, I've known it as God. frickles. I've never, heard them, I've never heard them call them a frickle. They are oh. delicious, though. No, they're great. I've only, I've only known them nibbles. as frickles. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do the, you? The well, education are, standards in Indiana are not if, very high, if, but. Oh, really? What happened a couple weeks ago on the, on the basketball court? Anyway, um, so <laughs> I've only known them as frickles, and if you have the right dip, they are delicious. They've got to be chips, though. I did go to a bar yes. one time in Jersey Spears City. Spears bad. They gave me like a whole Gergens. Yeah, Terrible. I was disgusted. This this was Animal. This classifies as Animal. Um, but Frickles, shareable. You can order them in mass for a party of 15 or so. Frickles all day. Now, let me go back to the wings question, James. Boneless or bone in? I mean, it's just it's a personal preference thing. Like, I, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna shy away from bone in. Bone in is the traditional wing. It's an it's natural. You know, that's that's kind of what you want to eat. You get boneless okay. wings. That's kind of basically a chicken tender. It's like that's easier if you're with like a group who I maybe knew, I really... knew you were gonna say that. I knew you were gonna say that. I'll it's tell you true. this though. I'll tell you this though. Chicken tender. They're yeah. it's it. They're delicious. I'll eat chicken them. nugget, chicken tender. Yeah. yeah, but they're delicious. Like if Incredible. I have the option to get a buffalo chicken tender or a regular chicken tender, yeah. I'm clearly choosing the uh-huh. buffalo one. Like yeah. they're very, very good. There's no shame in liking either or. And I feel like for you, James, you probably can't really eat the boneless ones too because gluten free. Yeah, they're most they're mo- boneless wings are mostly breaded, so I always opt for the bone in. Also, the bone in, you know, it's like that's just a regular wing. The boneless is just like this is some chicken parts we put together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just lose so much meat with the bone in. You know, well, you the flats are impossible. Although I flats are the I only. Haven't, I haven't. I haven't. No, no. No, flats, they're both. They're both. Suck, they're, both flats are they're both good. They're both good. Flats. There's positivity flats. in each. Oh, no. How long are we gonna talk about food? It's been eight no. Minutes. Well, do you do you, do you do you slide the bone out? Do you slide the bone out like the professional no, way to eat a flat? No. Have you seen I that yet? Eat, I crush. I crush no? one and then just I just pop it, it open and I go in. Hmm. 
Mm. All, right. All right, I know it, you guys. Let's get to scores. Now. Yeah, let's yeah, let's not, not football. Right. Enough about let's wrap it up. Let's yeah. talk about scores. All right, I'm gonna go with mine. I said 37-34 Chiefs. Uh, my first touchdown score of the game is going to be uh, Isaiah Pacheco. Ooh, nice. I think it's going the to Rutgers. be tw- going. Yeah, chop chop. I think it's gonna be 27-21 Chiefs. I think first touchdown of the game though will be Jalen Hurts rushing. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. John, I like that. I don't have a score. Uh, I'm going to go 28-20. The Eagles are winning this game. Sorry to say it. That's no doubt in my mind. Philadelphia is winning this game. Um, I'm going to give you an anytime touchdown score, and that is A.J. Brown. Okay. Wow. Had a really really off the beaten path. A.J. Brown. Has he done much? <laughs> he has not, really. But uh, I'm waiting. It's going to happen. It's going to happen this Sunday. So uh, that's my pick. And, yeah, there's – the Eagles are a mortal lock. I can't believe you guys both said the Chiefs. No, I, can't, I, can't, I can't pick the Eagles. You no, know how I also, much I hate Philadelphia. I don't know. Look at look this. Yeah, bet, <sighs> bet with your head, not with your heart. No, I'm I'm using my head. I think the, I think the Chiefs roster, top to bottom, is like quite good. I don't think people are really giving it the recognition they deserve. I also the Eagles. I don't know. I don't know who's in this game. I don't know who's going to guard Travis Kelsey. Like, there's just that's it. No, no doubt about it. Like, well. I don't think anyone's going to stop him. All right, all right. I mean, listen, we'll see what happens this this weekend in the big game on Super Bowl Sunday. I think Mark and I are actually spending it with Vito, which will be fun. Yeah, we will be fun hanging out in Brooklyn with Vito. Well, then you better the then game. you better focus on that menu to make sure that no one's stomach goes awry. It's true. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a bad week a to get food poisoning. Week before the Super Bowl, it's one of the worst weeks of the year to get food poisoning. You think that's bad? I once went to Mexico the week before the Super Bowl. And got Montezuma's revenge. Oh, and needless to say, I did not have any frickles that Super Bowl Sunday. Okay. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> celery, a lot of calories and celery. Perfect way for us to wrap up the episode. John talking about his digestive issues. John, thanks for talking with us. We'll catch you on the next episode. And uh, yeah, that's that's it for this episode of the Messed Up Podcast, guys. Episode number one sixty four. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Make sure you follow us on Messed Up on Twitter and Instagram, as well as TikTok. If you're looking for the YouTube video, New York Mets YouTube channel for now. And uh, if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, drop us a rating, review, download, and subscribe. Follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano and me at Giraffe Neck Mark with a C. We'll catch you guys next week after the Super Bowl. Baseball season's almost here. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Peace out.